Greetings, this is Pastor Stan Harvey of the Pentecostals of Sydney. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. It is our hope that this message, whether it be a Sunday service or a midweek lesson, would be a blessing and a help to you in your spiritual journey. Stay connected with us on our website, posydney.com, or on our numerous social media platforms. Now to the service. invitation uh, to be here. I don't take it lightly. In fact, I have really wrestled with this because, (laughs) surprisingly enough, I was preparing a message and then I accidentally found on my computer that I preached the message I was going to, a very similar message, five years ago here. (laughs) And I thought, I can't preach the same message again. But God had put something in my heart. And uh, I wrestled with it. Eventually, God said, no, I'm going to give you something different, but along the same lines. As I see this church, my mind goes back many, many years ago uh, when you uh, had the building in uh, in Belmore and there wasn't a lot of people there, but uh, we used to visit and... I thank God that I had an opportunity to bring my grandmother there. I was preaching there and I said to her, would you come and hear me preach? And so she came to hear me preach for Brother Slack. Some may think that Brother Harvey's, uh, I won't use the word election or God, his appointment here, is just by accident. After Sister Slack passed away, Brother As you know, Brother Slack was very, very lonely. And then he got sick. And uh, I'm telling you some stuff you don't know now, okay? (laughs) Maybe it's time to tell you. But Sister Downs and I made many, many trips uh, from Canberra to uh, Brother Slack's house under the pretext every time we've just come for a cup of coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And... uh, we, we knew when it, he wanted to really pour his heart out and one of his greatest desires, burning desire, was for the right man to be appointed as pastor of this church. We prayed together, we talked about it, and, uh, but eventually both of us knew, both of us knew whose God, ha- God had his hand on. That was brother and sister Harvey and we... <clears throat> It was not by any form of coincidence. It was by the hand of God. And I've said this because I want you to understand that Brother Slack just didn't pick a name. He, he cried over it. We wept together about it as he said, Lord, give me the right man for this church. And you've got the right man. And I thank God. Yeah. And Sister Harvey... You just fit the bill. (laughs) Just wonderful. (laughs) Amen. Amen. Praise God. Our God is a wonderful God, isn't he? Amen. Well, the message I was going to preach was about faithfulness. And uh, 
So I, I typed that into my computer to see whether I had any past ideas on that subject and that's when I, it came up, preached in Sydney <laughs> and I thought, oh no. So anyway, here we go. <clears throat> so uh, I want to preach a message this morning titled, I Send You. I Send You. In Luke chapter 10, verse 3, we find a verse there. It reads, Go your ways. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. I send you as lambs among wolves. A secondary text this morning comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. And verse 2, wherefore seeing we are also compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, that word witnesses is martyrs if you look in the Greek, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Amen. Amen. My wife talked about hindrances. You know, the devil would make yesterday a hindrance, wouldn't he? If he can do it, our mistakes yesterday become enormous today. But we worship and love a merciful God. But I want to tell you this morning, there's no way we can succeed in this race unless we have Jesus at the focus. Everybody say, focus. Amen. He must be the centre of our heart because there are just so many distractions, so many voices in this world. Keep your focus upon Jesus. Amen. I read briefly there from uh, Hebrews, the chapter before it, uh, before it speaks about the cloud of witnesses. And this morning, as I minister to you, I'm challenged by my own imperfections, my own lack of faith. You see, brothers and sisters, you can't stand in a pulpit and preach without first preaching it to yourself. And, uh, and sometimes that can be a hindrance because many times we say, oh Lord, how can I preach this message when I've made so many failures? in my own life. However, I want to join with Paul this morning when he says, I do not count myself to have taken possession, but one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, reaching forth, forward to those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the high calling of Jesus Christ. Amen. I want to assure you, if you've if you've found salvation in Jesus Christ, and if Jesus can bring you that far, he can take you further. Because repentance is a hurdle, isn't it? Man, oh man, when, when, we, when we repented, we thought we were wrestling with the devil himself. And by, by the way, you were, because he didn't want you to come into the kingdom of heaven. And then baptism was the next big hurdle. Publicly submitting yourself to be baptised in front of people and declaring that Jesus is your Lord and you receive forgiveness of sins and receive the wonderful outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I thank God for all that because when I look back, 
at those, those basic things that happen early in my Christian life, I realise that he can take me right through to the end. Amen. Amen. Genesis chapter 10, verse 3, I'll read it again. Go your way. Behold. That word behold, just don't, don't look over it. Behold. In other words, I'm, want you, I want to capture your attention. Behold. Behold, I send you forth as lambs among wolves. And then down in verse 22, that same chapter, and you will be hated by all because of my name. But the, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Amen. Amen. Well, yes, I've, I've wrestled with this and I suppose you could say, well, you're a man of God, you're a preacher. And uh, I have been preaching a long, long time. And, uh, you know, the race is never finished. The race is never finished. Even when I prepared this message to preach to you this, here this morning, the Lord was saying, reach higher, run faster, run further. And that's the challenge <clears throat> that every one of us are going to face. You know, going out as sheep or lambs among the wolves is what I call apostolic. It's in the book of Acts. That's our identity. But when Jesus spoke these words, he didn't only speak it to his disciples. If we read on, and we will in a second, <clears throat> we will realise that he was speaking to us today. He says to you, I send you. Just to help you, what is a disciple? Well, we often think, well, a disciple, you know, there were 12 of them. And one of them made a mess of it. Committed suicide. Sold Jesus. No. Brothers and sisters, we are his disciples. I'm going to talk later on about a man in the Bible who was called a disciple and he wasn't amongst the 12. That's because we are not amongst the 12, but we are his disciples. <clears throat> in the Bible, sorry, in, in uh, Easton's Bible dictionary, a disciple of Christ is one who believes the doctrine. Do you believe the doctrine? Rests on his sacrifice. Do you believe that? Are you absorbing the Spirit of God? Are you imitating Jesus' example? Are you imitating Jesus' example? Yeah, okay. Then you're a disciple and we can't escape it. And so Jesus gave these very, very clear instructions. Go your ways. Behold, I send you as lambs among wolves. This metaphor is not a metaphor that uh, is very easily accepted, is it? And this is quite confronting. Usually sheep are protected from wolves. But Jesus sends us out as sheep among wolves. And grasping this setting... The setting in this verse here today can be a very, very uncomfortable revelation. But we are not born again 
to sit protected in crystal, in, in cabinets like crystal. We are not here to be set in cabinets just so people can look at us. That's, there's no glory and there's no glamour, no luxury in serving Jesus. Amen. I declare it to you here today. There are wonderful times and we'll have the wonderful presence of God with us. We'll have his blessings. But believe you me, if you're living for Jesus, this world can be very, very confronting. Amen. I know of a doctor in our church in Canberra who just recently, I believe she resigned from her position because she would not stand for certain morals or certain lack of morals that were being promoted by the, uh, by the hospital. She stood her ground. And I know many of you, sometimes I had a friend who was a hairdresser and uh, his boss said, you're going to have to serve tobacco at the counter. He said, no, I'm not serving tobacco. He said, I'm the boss, you serve tobacco. He said, I'm a Christian, I'm leaving. <laughs> That's a true story. And just within one week, he was uh, invited to have a, a job just down the street in a Roger Davids shop, in the back of the shop where they, they cut hair. No tobacco, just cutting hair. And he praised God. <laughs> Amen. So sheep among wolves gives us a picture of danger, of not fitting in, and even fear. But, you know, we have the great shepherd. He is the great shepherd. Amen. <clears throat> As sheep, we would be defenceless, but we have a great shepherd. So, brothers and sisters, I'm telling you here today, be prepared to be sheep among the wolves. Amen. If, we, if you go into uh, Hebrews chapter 11, you read about the great cloud of witnesses are there. I'm awestruck when I read about the great men of God who in the Old Testament served God looking for the promise of the coming of the Messiah, but they served God. They had faith. They went through terrible times, but the Lord was always with them. And our identity with Jesus is not something static. We're not going to be put in, in crystal cabinets. It's not static. Or not even where we saved and come to a grinding halt or meandering through life after we are saved, but active as we respond to Jesus and his charge, I send you. Terribly gripping words, aren't they? Three words. But they mean everything. I came here this morning in time to hear Brother Harvey talking a little bit about whether we believe in evolution or whether we're going to trust God. Amen. I wasn't going to say this, but I, I went back to university quite a number of years ago and uh, to catch up on a bit of knowledge of, of computers. And uh, 
the dean of the, of the department knew as a minister of religion and uh, he sent his secretary after me and said, uh, the dean has sent me to speak to you about whether you would stay on at university and do a subject. I said, what subject is it? And uh, the secretary said, philosophy of science. I said, well, what, what does he want me to do that for? He said he needs somebody in there to balance out the ideas of what some of these lecturers are teaching. Well, I didn't realise I was going to be stepping right into the jaws of wolves. As uh, we got there, one of the topics, uh, in a, we all had to present papers, and one of the topics was the young age of the earth. What you were supposed to do is argue against that. So uh, I spent hours and hours. I knew it was going to be a battle. And so, very cunningly, I, uh, I looked at lots of videos and I found an, about five eminent scientists who said the earth was not old, it was young, and that there had to be a creator. So in the midst of uh, this paper, which was about an hour long, presented in front of uh, a couple of hundred students, uh, I presented it. And uh, everything was fine. And that, matter of fact, they gave me an ovation at the end of it. Um, I think because I spent so much time preparing them. But when I stepped out of, the, uh, out of the lecture room, went to walk down the passageway, the lecturer was there waiting, with me, waiting there for me. I thought, I thought he was okay with it. And I, as I went to walk past him, he said, you fool, you are a fool, like that, shouted out at me. I said, I presented the facts. He said, you're still a fool. You see, I want to tell you, students who are in university, they have a philosophy and a lot... I know this as a scientist, a mathematician. Chemistry is not founded upon fact. It's founded upon pressure that grows up within these establishments. I'm sorry if you're a university lecturer here this morning. <laughs> Amen. When I taught in high school... Well, I had to teach evolution. But my kids knew I was a minister. They said, well, what do you believe? I said, well, it's ridiculous. I said, they talk about the, the missing link. There's so many missing links, there's not even a chain. <laughs> <laughs> so we all know about Moses and how he was an exile in Egypt. He suffered later on great threats of retribution from the leaders of Egypt. But he knew he had heard the voice of the great I am. And so he stepped out in faith and trusted God and delivered a whole nation from bondage. Amen. Noah. Well, if we look at uh, biblical genealogy, Noah spent about 100 years building the ark to the saving of his family, all by faith. Stephen, New Testament, he was stoned for his faith. He delivered a powerful speech about Israel and about the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. His words angered the religious leaders and they accused him of blasphemy and executed him with stones. You see, these are examples this is what God is saying. 
be prepared. You may face this. And then Paul, we read about his persecution. We read about imprisonments, beatings, even stoning. They didn't kill him. God was with him. They accused him of blasphemy, even though he was innocent. Praise God, brothers and sisters. Why should God call them to such, to such conviction and overlook us? Let me make a quote here from Brother Adam Hunley, who's just recently been appointed the new UPCI Global Missions Director. He said, our mandate, our mandate has not changed. Our exemption, sorry, there is no exemption in the scriptures to I send you and there is no biblical transition from sheep among wolves towards a more sheep-friendly existence. Our commission is to go as sheep among wolves. Maybe as the Bible says, as lambs among the wolves. There is no transition. There's only one transition, and that is back to being wolves. And I don't think anybody wants to do that, do you? We are still called to go into all the world and preach the gospel. We're still called to serve in many different ways. And I mean, different people have different callings, different ways, but in, sometimes in difficult places whether it's in our workplaces, our neighbourhoods, our schools, even some of us in our families, we will face opposition if we really face the truth and are willing to open up to the truth. We're called to live in a world that contradicts and opposes the kingdom of God. Yes, we are sheep in a very unfriendly world. We're still sent. He sent them, you are sent, without exception. Every one of you here this morning, if you claim to be a born-again Christian, you claim to be apostolic, you are sent. Now, I'm not talking sent overseas, okay? I'm not talking about what a lot of people imagine. The only people that are sent are the people who sit in, stand in pulpits, they're sent to mission fields, they, they do all that sort of thing. No, 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 no. There's lots of pretty ordinary people in the Bible who just simply did what God called them to do. When I married my wife, she, uh, she said to me, you know, she said, she, I was 10 days a minister when she married me. And she said, you know, one of the, one of the longings of my life, I used to dream about buying a little tip-top bread wagon and, and travelling around Australia and taking the message with me. That's right, isn't it? Yeah. That was her dream. Never came true. <laughs> Two of us wouldn't fit in the back of a bread wagon. <laughs> but you see, what I'm saying here today is God speaks to us. Sometimes we add little trappings to the dream and uh, we try to put legs on the dream. But if you listen, she married a preacher. We've travelled Australia. We've travelled the world preaching the gospel. We've never let up. We've never taken a moment to ourselves. I think I told you this last time. As a three-year-old boy growing up 
Every morning, my mother used to tune the radio. She didn't go to church, but she tuned the radio and every morning uh, to Melbourne's 3DB, I think it was, and uh, there was 15-minute church service there. And she would sit us in the lounge room and say, now be quiet and listen. But something happened to me. Something happened to me listening. It was, it was only a hymn and a prayer, a brief sermon, and then another hymn, and it was finished. But after that, I remember many times rearranging the furniture. My brother would sit on the floor and I'd get behind the, one of the chairs and pretend I was in a pulpit and preach. I was three years old. I still remember it. And you see, you see what God puts in us. How many of you are running away from what God's put in your heart? Then when I was in a nominal church, I used to sit there and, and listen to the preacher. And they were good people. Some of these people in other churches are really, really good. They'll give you a basic knowledge of the Word of God. And I used to think, oh man, when am I going to get an opportunity to preach? When can I preach? I was bursting to preach. I got an opportunity. I got up there. It was after a youth camp. They asked me to get up and preach. And matter of fact, I preached on baptism. I thought I had an hour's worth of preaching. It was all over in 10 minutes. <laughs> but God put it in my heart. There was a burning there, even though I hadn't arrived. And I'm saying to you here, brothers and sisters, God will do the same for you. Don't try to push outside the boundaries of what he's given you. If you, if you have an inkling from that still small voice that's in, been in your heart, just follow it gently and carefully with much prayer. Jesus told his disciples, and when they bring you into the synagogues and unto the magistrates and powers, take you no thought how or what things you will answer or what you will say. You don't have to be a preacher. For the Holy Ghost shall teach you in the same hour what you should say. What a promise. Amen. Some of you are afraid to open your mouth and say a couple of words. Just speak your testimony. You don't have to be frightened for a theological argument. Tell them your testimony, as simple as it is, and they cannot deny your testimony. But I like this one. I like this. This is to the New Testament church just before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But it speaks of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the world. Amen. Amen. I see, Brother Freddie, you've not dropped the, dropped the load. Amen. I see, I see you on Facebook. I see you up there teaching. You've not dropped the load. Keep up the good work. Amen. <laughs> Can you imagine where we would be today if it wasn't for the mercy and grace of Jesus Christ? Where would you be? 
you know, I stand here a preacher. My wife said a lot of bad stuff back in her life. Man, when Jesus found me, I was on a pretty steep downward trend. Very steep. It took a lot of God's patience and mercy to revive me. You see, even after he visited me and I repented, I, I really fought against this Pentecostal stuff. Really, I did. Matter of fact, I read some books, you know, just read some books and you get the wrong idea. <laughs> if you read the books, <laughs> Pentecostals are real. You know, we, we have snakes in church. We roll around on the floor with snakes and all the rest of it. They, they promote all this sort of stuff. And I read all that stuff. Matter of fact, I used to stand and teach people what I read in the books. But it wasn't true because when I read the book, I realized, and I couldn't get away from it, that Pentecost is real. Amen. Amen. God will go with you wherever you go, whatever you do. He's promised that. And he will put words in your mouth not only that, he will anoint you for the purpose. If you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, then you have been anointed, anointed every one of you to be his witnesses. That goes with that verse. That's a promise of what's coming. If you're filled with the Holy Ghost, you are his witness. You are to be lambs amongst the wolves. If you know a more friendly world than that, then enjoy it. But I don't think so. I don't think so. I think many of you have suffered. But if we think back, remember back, don't think too hard because the devil will get hold of it and, con and condemn you. But we've come a long way in Jesus, haven't we? Amen. And when you were filled with the Holy Ghost, you were sent. When you got, received the gift of the Holy Ghost, every one of you, I believe, this is what I believe. I believe that when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, Jesus whispers in your ear, I send you. Amen. Amen. Maybe not exactly those words. But I'm going to ask you now, to cast back your minds to the day and the days following when you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. All right? I don't believe that you, after feeling the power of the Holy Ghost, that you just thought, I'm going to get on with my life. No, no. I believe that you, like me and my wife, and many other preachers will say this, God put a fire in your bones. He started to whisper in your ear by the power of his spirit, I want you to do this and I want you to do that. Matter of fact, you bragged about it. You said, I'm going to do this for Jesus. Oh man, I'm going to go tell my friends. I'm going to preach on the open air. Correct? No? Yeah. If you got filled with the Holy Ghost, Jesus was saying to you, I send you. And when he said that in your heart, you responded with all of the things that you felt that he wanted you to do. What happened? 
Why have we fallen short of the mark? I'm here to challenge you. I know Brother Harvey challenges, he's a great preacher. I'm just here backing him up. Could it be, brothers and sisters, that somewhere along the way that we decided we knew enough, we had enough, or thought we'd come to an ultimate place of pleasing God and allowed a complacency to settle into our hearts and by this we allowed the prompting of the voice of the Spirit to be muffled. That same stirring that you had in the beginning, God is reviving that in your heart here today. I send you. And I pray that none of us really fit that mark, but I must admit, friends, complacency at times has taken place in my heart. So I can be honest with you. I'm being honest with you that we can feel sometimes comfortable in being half-hearted. But you know, the radical, radical obedience we call of our children, uh, require of our children, God requires nothing less of us because we are his, his children. How often have we measured our sacrifice by the sacrifice of others? God must deliver us from this disease of respectable disobedience where we just feel happy to appear that we're up there doing our best for God when we know all the time that God has been whispering in our ears that he wants a real sacrifice of our lives. Respectable disobedience is still disobedience. Yeah. Respectable disobedience is still disobedience. And I want to tell you, it can be crippling because we convince ourselves that we've done enough. We've gone far enough. We haven't. We've got the examples of those, the great cloud of witnesses. We've got the examples in, in the New Testament, in the book of Acts. We've got examples of those who went out and served God. Were they qualified? Did they have university degrees? No. Peter was a fisherman. Many of them were very uneducated. But Jesus said, I send you. I want to say here this morning, the measure of acceptable sacrifice is in one word. Obedience. That's the measure. Nothing else. Our enemy is comparison. I mean, we do it in all our life. We've got to, we've got to have a car like somebody else. We've got to have a house like somebody else. We've got to have clothes like somebody else. Well, why do we have to live the Christian life like somebody else? I'm not rebuking you here this morning because I had to rebuke myself when I prepared this message. We need to look to Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. You know, things can be so deceptive. Put up your hand if you've ever ridden on a, on a railway train. Yeah, in Sydney, we don't have them in Canberra. We, we have one station and it goes into New South Wales. Who's ever sat on the railway train? You've been sitting there just casually reading a book and you look out, your, out the window and you think, oh, I didn't feel the train start off. 
and you're looking and all of a sudden you realise that you're not actually moving, it's the train next to you that's moving. Who's had that experience? Yeah. <laughs> quite, <laughs> quite shocking, isn't it? <laughs> that all fits into Einstein's theory of relativity at a very basic level. But um, you see, our problem is thinking that we're moving forward when all we're doing is looking at others. Yes, our culture measures what's acceptable by comparing with others. The measure of what is fact is when the Lord Jesus Christ speaks quietly into our lives, into our inner ears, and then we have to start to pray. I'm not saying it's all going to go bang and that's it, okay? That's not the way. In, in fact, I'll go back and say, look, when God reveals something to you, we immediately start dressing it up. You know, the Lord says, I'm going to call you to be a missionary. And all of a sudden, you think of thousands of people gathering around you. You, you think of uh, uh, all sorts of exotic places in the world. You dress it up. No, the simple thing is, I send you. Okay, we have a tendency to dress things up. I, I knew God called me to be a pastor, but if I had have known what I, was, what I was walking into, I don't know whether I ever wanted to be a pastor. You see what it's like? But when you get in there, God is with you. He helps you. Amen. It's not what feels right. It's when I step out as a sheep among the wolves, looking to Jesus, and what happens, happens but we know that we're in his hand. That's it. Whatever happens, happens. Get hold of that because it's going to happen. I personally, as I've said, are continually challenged by my own definitions of the boundaries of obedience. But that's part of becoming mature, a mature Christian. You continually challenge yourself. Jesus is always calling us to higher places. If we only imagine where the place that he has in store for us and the glory of it, we would want to be prepared. But Jesus is preparing us. I go back to Paul now. Paul, or Saul, Pharisee of the Pharisees, was persecuting the Christians. You know, he thought he was doing God a service, persecuting the Christians. He was taking a journey to Damascus. And while he was on that trip, a bright light shone out of heaven and blinded him and he found himself laying on the ground. Who's ever had a bright light shine out of heaven? If you ever have, you expect a life like Paul. So when he hit the ground, he cries out this simple statement. Who art thou, Lord? See, he recognised that the bright light came from the Lord. Who art thou, Lord? And he was a Jew, a Pharisee of the Pharisees, 
If you want an interpretation of that, he cried out, Who art thou, Jehovah? Why would he say Lord? Because he only worshipped one God. Get hold of this. The Lord replied, I am Jesus who you are persecuting. Wow, <laughs> dear, oh dear. Can you imagine the feeling of this surprising revelation that the very person he had been persecuting, the very person he had been opposed to, was now saying to him, I am Jesus? So, he, was, he, went, he went to Damascus and he was in a house there of another uh, uh, a person. The Bible states who it is. And in Acts chapter 9, verse 10, it says, And there was a certain disciple. Everybody say disciple. Here it is. He wasn't a disciple of Jesus, as in the 12, but he was a disciple. And there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision. Notice that Ananias was a disciple. Yeah. Not one of the twelve. He said, the Lord said, Arise and go into the street, which is called Straight. Inquire in the house of Judas, the one called Saul of Tarsus, who is praying. Boy, we'd, I'd be praying too if that happened to me. And he hath seen a vision of a man named Ananias. Even revealed the name to him. Ananias Come, coming to him and putting his hand upon him that he might receive his sight. I know I might be taking a bit of time, but I'm going to tell you something that happened. This, this is how we need to listen to the voice of God. Three mornings I was laying in bed. My wife gets up very early. I take a bit of a nap after she gets up. And sometimes I just lay there and pray. All of a sudden one morning I had a vision, unexpected vision, of a shopping centre that I very rarely ever visit. And it's almost as if I was in this shopping centre at a particular place and there was a seat. I wonder what that means. Just forgot about it. A couple of nights later in the morning again, I'm laying in bed and up comes the same vision again. I think, what's all this about? I can't figure it all out. It happened third time. And that day I went to my wife, I said, I'm going on a journey <laughs> to Woden Shopping Centre. I don't know what it's all about, but there's a seat there. So I went. When I walked into the shopping centre, where I expected the seat to be was not exactly there anymore because I hadn't been there for a long time. But there was a seat just a little bit further down. So I thought, well, if this really is a vision from God... I'm going to go sit in that seat. So I sat down. 10 minutes went by, 15 minutes went by, 20 minutes went by and I took my iPhone out. You know, kids know what that's all about, don't you? I thought, well, I might as well have a look at my iPhone. And then unexpectedly, this guy sits down beside me, just about as far as that pulpit is from me, you know. And uh, he's, he's got a bit of uh, sinusitis, I think, because he's blowing his nose and wiping his eyes. I said to him, I said, yeah, it's that time of the season, isn't it? He said, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Do you know what he said? He opened the conversation. He said, this world is in a mess, isn't it? <laughs> man, oh man, what a, I didn't even have to battle with anything I was going to say. So I just began to talk to him. Then I invited him to come to church. He never has ever come to church. But I believe that that day God had his number. Amen. He said he was, he was a member of a certain political party and we have somebody in our church in Canberra who's, uh, who's uh, a chairman of the, uh, that particular political party. So I, I went to Brother Ray in church. I said, uh, do you know a guy by the name of such and such who used to be a member of parliament in Canberra? He said, yeah, I know him. I see him all the time. I said, well, I witnessed to him. It's all over to you now. <laughs> And I told him how it happened. You see how God leads you? If you have a vision, act it out. You, God keeps you blind because he wants your faith. He wants you to step out. You'll find yourself mimicking certain things that you would love to say. You don't say it to anybody. But when the Lord says, this is the moment, say it. You say it. It's simple, brothers and sisters. We worship a God who talks. We worship a God who talks. Amen. He talks to his people. Well, when Anna and I spoke to the Lord, he said, I've heard this of many about this man about from many, many people, how much evil he does in Jerusalem. That he has authority of the chief priest to bind people that call upon the name of the Lord. The Lord said, to, to uh, Ananias, go your way because he's a chosen vessel. Well, Paul's life was about to start. He was about to start from being a Pharisee of the Pharisees to becoming a sheep among the wolves. And we know the rest of his story, don't we? Amen. But I want to talk this morning about a certain man named Ananias who was called. He stepped out in obedience. We don't hear of Ananias in the Bible before this. He's spoken of as a great man of faith later on. But he stepped out into obedience, into what he thought was clearly a dangerous situation, knowing nothing more than the word of the Lord. He didn't consult with other people. He didn't question what he had heard, or he didn't compare it with what other people were doing. He just simply took his concerns to the Lord and said, Lord, do you know who this guy is? And then obeyed the Lord and did what he was supposed to do. This is true apostolic ministry. It was the obedience of Ananias that unlocked the door for the Apostle Paul to begin his wonderful, great ministry. It was a disciple of God who put ink into the pen of a writer who wrote, at least half of the New Testament. It was the obedience of one man risking his livelihood, his reputation and his life. And the whole of Asia, Asia heard the word of God. Isn't that amazing? Ananias 
I want you to go visit this guy. But Lord, he's dangerous. I told you, go. I wonder if Ananias ever lived long enough to see the fruits of his simple faith and obedience. Amen. Amen. So dear children of God, I stand before you with full confidence in God's word to tell you that God desires to change our measure of obedience. Throw away your comparisons. Listen to the voice of God. Throw away your measure of what you think is acceptable. Obey the voice of the Lord when he speaks into your ear and know that when he tells you to do it, he will follow through with the power of the Holy Ghost that you receive when you are filled with the Holy Spirit. And that he will put the words in your mouth. He's not calling us to look at other people and who else is doing what and who else is not doing anything. He's simply calling you who are sitting in this room this morning with three words, I send you. And I'll repeat it again. If you have the Holy Ghost, you have that commission. So on that day, the Apostle Paul's story started with one disciple. One disciple. You know, I could, I, I'm now going to say, I had a Sunday school teacher. As a young kid, I went, my wife's name winded up. <laughs> I had a Sunday school teacher. He was a Chinese, a Chinaman. And... Uh, he was a lovely man. He loved God. He really did. And you've got to love God to teach a class full of 12-year-olds. 12-year-old <laughs> boys, I tell you what. But, but my father had passed away. I remember a couple of things. I remember him drawing simple pictures, stick figures, and I remember those stories that he taught me. But every Sunday, because I was very, my family was very, very poor, as I walked in, he would always slip into my hand, a, a, uh, a two-shilling piece, 20 cents, a two-shilling piece. He told me the first time, put that in the offering. And you know, when the offering came, two shillings back then was a lot of money. It was about, probably on the comparison, about $4 today. And when I used to put that two shillings in the plate, all the other kids would go, wow. They were only putting pennies in and threepences, and I put two shillings in. And you know, that simple testimony of that man. I used to meet him on the railway station when I, later on when I was going to university. And I always enjoyed going up to talk to him. He was so encouraging. Just very simple things. Teaching a class of 12-year-old boys, troublemakers. Believe you me, what we used to do to torment him kicking each other while he was teaching us and all, all the rest of it, you know. <laughs> but it's just simple things. He played a very big part in my ministry. Amen. The lessons he taught me, spoke to me about what other people did to serve God. And so I say today, are you going to write a story?
for God. Amen. Are you going to step out and allow God to write a story for you? Because this world is full of people out there needing your story. Amen. Amen. Whether it's a nursery rhyme or whether it's a thick novel, God wants to use you because you have a story. I send you. My challenge here this morning is that you will come with, weigh it up, don't step out, weigh it up. Weigh it up heavily in your heart. If God has been saying to you, you need to do certain things, weigh it up right now. If you're happy to say, Lord, I will do it, then step out here. Step out here. Let, let God do the rest. Amen. Brother Harvey stepped out. My wife stepped out. I stepped out. There's many of you here that I know. You've stepped out. wasn't easy. Because God doesn't call us to be placed in crystal cabinets. He said, I send you as sheep among the wolves. Thank you, Brother Harvey. Let's all stand. Thank you, Jesus. What a tremendous word from the Lord. That is a mandate from God himself to this church. If you hear his voice, the Bible says, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts, but respond in faith. He sends us, the church of the living God, to reach this world. Hallelujah. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I'm going to pray and then I'm going to open this altar and invite you to come and respond to the word of God. Lord, I thank you for your servant, Lord God. I thank you for this great man of God to give to us what you have put in his heart. The Lord, you give us the Holy Ghost so that we can step out, so that we can be your witnesses, your voices in this world, your hands, your feet, your mouthpiece, Lord. Let, uh, you can use us, Lord, to reach lost people. And I pray today, Lord, that every single one of us, Lord, would be filled with boldness, with courage and desire that we would do what you have called us to do, that we would respond in faith as a great cloud of witnesses compels us, Lord, that our lives be living epistles that are read by all men. I pray this day, Lord God, that we would be sent forth, that we would step out, that we would stand against our fears and our inhibitions, our worries and our dreads, Lord God, that we would stand courage, with courage and boldness in faith to speak your word today. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. This altar is open. If you've heard from God, why don't you respond? Come and pray. If you need that holy boldness, the Holy Spirit will give that to you. It says, for this promise is unto you. When you receive this gift and are endued with power from on high, you become witnesses for the Lord. And today you can receive this wonderful gift of His Holy Spirit. Today you can... Respond to the call of God to stand as a light, salt and light in this world. 
oh hallelujah to reach our neighbors to reach our families our cousins our workmates our colleagues our bosses the people down the street the people we see on the same bus in the same store in the same shops they need to hear the gospel today if you want to make yourself available as a vessel for God as the oracles of God as a light and example to this world why don't you let him fill you today come on let's pray as a church why don't you come to this altar let's pray together to see. 